For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Determination comes in many forms, but always starts with a Dunkin' Run. So take your medium or larger coffee in one hand and grab a dollar donut in the other. No matter how you run, Dunkin' Run. A $1 donut with any medium or larger coffee. Excludes specialty donuts and fancies. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. You've always had what it takes to make it happen. And we know the right tools can make it easier. At Stura University, we're always thinking about new ways to set you up for success. That's why we give you a brand new laptop when you enroll in a bachelor's program, so you can start off on the right foot and keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Eligibility rules, restrictions, and exclusions apply. Connect with us for details. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by Chef. Hey, how you doing? Welcome into the podcast. Welcome to the On My Block podcast. I'm your host, Amon Green, along with my good friend and teammate, Mike Wall. Mike, man, how you doing? I'm doing great, AG. Excited oh, for the week, man. Me too. Man, it's been an interesting uh, weekend. We got NBA playoffs. We got, um, it was some golf. You know, we had the, the major last wow. week, um, Masters, and this fun stuff. College baseball, we got, what, Tennessee, like 33-3. and three. They're balling. You know, in that world, this people kind of they still have college baseball. Yeah, I wouldn't even know. <laughs> yes, Mike. Yes, man. I thought you, hey, you that's were great. You were uh, you know everything in terms of the sporting world. You say you know, we watch nothing but sports, wall to wall. What happened? Yeah, but I so I don't. Okay, so there's certain things I just stopped watching though. When you know when I was younger, I I've never watched college baseball. I watch. Okay. I'd rather watch the Little League World Series than college baseball. Right. Well, I watched that too. It's fun. I don't though. think adults should be able to use aluminum bats. That's why I don't. I don't get it. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. True, true. You know what uh, I mean? Yeah. Like that's yeah. like that's putting that's putting like a stick of dynamite in somebody's hand. Those kids are big. Yeah, yeah. So so actually what they did was one of their games against Alabama, they did all wooden bats game. It was an all wooden bat game and they lost. So uh, but then they won the next game like 15 to 3 once they went back to aluminum bats. So yeah. Just want to bring that into the fold there. But I want to welcome in um Andrew Harmon. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I was I'm looking for it. I was like, I was drawing. A... How you doing, Andrew? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me, guys. This is super exciting. It's like you mentioned, it's a super fun time of year. NBA playoffs, NFL draft, baseball starting. It's a good time to talk sports. No question about it. Yeah. So my man, Andrew, he is the passionate young. He started young drafting, putting up draft boards, you know, commenting and giving his feedback on Packer uh, transactions during this time of the year. Uh, so. Something that me and Mike didn't do. We were like, nah, that's just too much. And my yeah, brain would have broke. My brain would have broke with that at that age. And Andy's been nice enough to have me on the show. He runs a pack a day podcast 365 days a year, I believe. Is that right, Andy? Yes. Wow. 365 days a year. It's been featured on uh, Cheesehead TV, various ESPN affiliates, specializes, and this is why we have you, specializes in draft analysis, which is, as Aman and I have alluded to many times, we kind of like to talk about the guys after they get on the team. 
Yeah, but it's 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 essential now. Football is like a, a you know twelve month sport now, so it's essential to talk draft analysis. We needed to bring in an expert. Andy, thank you being our resident expert here on, on my block. Yeah, yeah you thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So before we get going, got a couple quick little I uh, say updates. We got Packers offseason program starting today. So Mike, you remember those days when you had to fly into Wisconsin when you think it should be warm? And it's like an inch of snow on the ground. And he's like, why are we here right now? And you're in your fifth year. I'm like, this is for the birds. Okay. AG, but here's camps. the thing. You remember, we're so old that we didn't have to come to off-season workouts. They didn't have off-season workouts. When, we, when I started there, right. 1998. In fact, I'll tell you this. Okay. I went 1998 off-season. I was there. 1999, I was not. Actually, I was never there again. Right. So until 2005, when I left, I went to Carolina. I never spent an off-season training in, in Wisconsin. Now, we would come back yeah. to the mini camps, but right, we right. really had we had two threes and an eight. So we were spending, what's that, 14 days in the off-season actually training at the facility. But those 14 days were dedicated on learning the plays, becoming an offense, et cetera, et cetera, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. those were competitive days. But as far as um, building a bigger, faster, stronger body – is getting your mind right, working on hand-eye coordination, you know, working on technique, all of those things we were allowed to do or we had the option to do um, at our own dispense, right? So I could go around the country and I could find a better you know, mm -hmm. technical coach. I could find a strength and conditioning coach, a speed coach, a boxing coach. You could go out and find that and find it and figure out what works best for you, a sports nutritionist, you know, Dave Ellis, exactly. your, your guy from Nebraska. Exactly. So, best, in the, best in the business. Yeah. So, so there's – you know, there's always a, a deal around here where a lot of guys are going to opt out. You saw a lot of wide receivers opted out today, but I think they're doing that because of contractual obligations. But exactly. there's a lot of athletes that are, would prefer to stay at, you know, like the House of Athlete, go down to Bomberinos down in Florida, go to those places, go, go to uh, an Exos, one of Verstegen's many places around the country, mm -hmm. and just continue to work with athletes from other teams, work on you know position-specific stuff, et cetera. But that's just not the world we live in today, where we need to check a lot of boxes. So exactly. I'm always, I always feel a little bit weird about this time of year because I, I, I know how much better I got because I was allowed to do a lot of things and learn a lot of things on my own versus having to be part of a cookie cutter program. Exactly. But, um, you know, that's that, uh, different strokes for different folks, right? Exactly. Well, tell us about, I know you got the, you like, you used to live in Vegas and used to go over there and make some sports bets. Take us into this next read, first read here of the show, Bet Online, that is a sponsor of our show, Mike. AG, our partners at Bet Online mm -hmm. continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. So you find out all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights. There was a great uh, UFC fight night this weekend that was, it was worth watching, even yeah. next uh, season's too. futures. And don't forget that Major League Baseball is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series? Bet online is your continued source for all your sports wager needs, including live betting in your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started. Head to the website today or use your favorite mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. AG, we talked about this last week. Right. If they give me a million dollars, would they give me 500000 I think the limit's $1,000, but that is a lot of money. Wow. Right? Up to a thousand. I believe it's up to a thousand dollars. Don't hold me accountable to that, but I think it's up to a thousand dollars. You get five hundred dollars in additional money. So bet online where the game starts. I think that's a great deal. I think actually if you're into betting off, you even want to dip your toe in when mm -hmm. somebody's offering you free money to come and join up. Like obviously they're doing it for a reason, right? So maybe you just go on and dip your toe in. You don't have to jump all in. 
But if you put down $100, you have $150 to bet now. Make five bets. Have a good time with it. See how it feels this weekend. It makes the game, for a lot of people, and myself included, it does make the game more interesting. Interesting. I like that. With Bet Online, thank you for being a sponsor of this show. And then one more quick news bid, and then we get into the rest of the show. Packers pick up eight-year vet Sammy Watkins to the wide receiver roster there. He is one of five receivers with over 300 receptions, 30-plus touchdowns, and 5,000 yards. So, so Morale, who's going to be – who's? so you got Alan Lazard that's potentially – you know, he probably was the number one before this pickup. But you now, now you have both of them in this uh, – wide receiver room, which is, I think, is a good deal for the Packers moving into this first offseason program and the rest of this regularly. I say the rest of this offseason, Andrew. So what's your thoughts there? Yeah, no, excited about this pickup. I don't think it's going to be anything that, like, changes the identity of the offense, but Green Bay has a type on the outside, right? So they like those bigger, more physical wide receivers, have some speed. Like, they didn't need another slot guy, right? They got Amari to play in the slot. They got Cobb to play in the slot. Lazard played 40% of his snaps in the slot. So you didn't need another slot guy. You needed an X receiver, somebody who can be a bit more of a possession guy, a little bit more run after the catch. You see some of the things that he was able to do when he worked with Matt LaFleur previously when they were both together with the Rams, and you saw him have great production at that point. So some familiarity with the offense. has had great quarterbacks in the past, obviously, with Lamar Jackson mm-hmm. and Patrick Mahomes. So should be able to fit right in with Aaron Rodgers. So really like the pickup. Like I said, I don't think it's going to be anything that completely changes the identity of the offense, but we know Aaron Rodgers likes veterans, right? Like that he he can trust in those exactly where they're going to be on the field. They're going to identify their spots. They're going to run their routes with precision. I think that's going to fit very, very well. And now that opens up Green Bay to maybe target a couple wide receivers in the draft without having to do it with an excessive amount of need where you feel like, all right, we have to end up with two guys who can play right away out of this draft. I think this gives them a little bit more flexibility. Yeah, they could go for a guy somewhere in the like late second round, third round, fourth round area to develop to get into the role of being a, a part of the offense later into their careers as well. Then there's not much turnover, you know, not not turn not much turnover time between having a Watkins and an Allen Zar and then the next crew of Mari Cooper and then that draft pick that does happen here in 2022. Right. It's, a, it's a feast. It's a it's a four million dollar four million dollar a year deal too. So it's not like you're breaking the bank here. And mm-hmm. and Andy, what do you think? After watching him last year, because in Baltimore, he just wasn't productive. In the last couple of years, he's just been bit by injuries, right? But yeah. he's only eight years in, so he's not that old. He was a he was, I was in the division when he was in uh, Buffalo. He's an absolute beast when he's healthy. Yes, so he it's just a question of, like, can we get if, – if we can get – you know, you, this happens a lot, too, when you get with a good team, you get with a good quarterback again in the right situation, you're healthy. You see these guys have a bounce-back year. They don't usually have a bounce-back career, but they have this, mm-hmm. like, maybe one year, two years where they just pop, right? And so if we can get if we get anything out of this, I mean, for the money, amount of money they're paying, it just seems like a really good deal. Yeah, this is a very like Devondre Campbell-esque signing, right? You know, you, you mm-hmm. look at the tape and the production yeah. over the course of his couple of years, and you're like, all right, it hasn't been that great. The biggest downside, like you mentioned, he's only played one 16-game season in his entire career, and that was his rookie year in Buffalo. He hasn't been able to do that since. But, man, if he can stay healthy and all of a sudden get those targets from Aaron Rodgers, he has the ability as a route runner. He has the ability as an after-the-catch guy. Like I said, I'm not expecting 100 balls, you know, 1,600 yards, 12 touchdowns here. But if he can be one of the ingredients, and I think that's what Green Bay is going to have to look at this as, uh, no matter who they draft, even if they traded for a guy, there's no Devontae Adams, right? There's not going to be that alpha that just is like everything that they want it to be. But he can be an ingredient in this offense that when you mix together a Lazard, a Cobb, a rookie, a Watkins, a Tunyon, a Jones, a Dylan, collectively they can be really good, even if you don't have that one alpha and Devontae Adams. Yeah, definitely. And then you have the attitude 
um, watching him over the last few years, obviously being on several teams, like Mike mentioned, um, but he understands the concept of being a role player. He knows, okay, I'm going to go in this spot and I'm going to just do this. And like you mentioned, he doesn't have to have big yards. He doesn't have to have the big numbers. So he knows I need to show up at this point in time. This is what yep. they bring in me here for. And I think that's a lot less pressured position knowing and, um, oh, I got to come in. I got to be that guy. So he knows he has a room of guys, especially with Alan Lazar, who, as we know already, is a is a is a grinder, is a dog. You know, he's going to block, he's going to do things to help that offense roll. And so now having another guy that's kind of the same mindset uh, mindset as Alan Lazar is going to be beneficial. I think it's such an important point, right? Because you know, so many people want to you know look at these maybe in like an undersized wide receiver. I know Brandon Cooks is somebody they talked about trading on the outside. We've learned so much about this Matt Lafleur offense that this is not just a position where you can go out there and just be a you know, deep threat wide receiver and not do your job as a blocker on the outside. This is a fully functioning offense where we see all those quick screens to the outside where the receivers have to block. The receivers are an integral part in the, the blocking assignments in the run game. So this is a, a really great fit when it comes to that regards as well. And you, you said it perfectly, Amon, when you can put Alan Lazard and Sammy Watkins out there, both of them can be physical blockers. It just makes the offense better as a whole. Yeah, exactly. So when get into this question, Mike, you got the first question there on the list. <clears throat> yeah, Andy, what do you think? Well, let's just go around table. Like, what do you, what do we think going into this draft, seeing the moves that we made, losing Devontae, obviously, and some other uh, other positions? What are the three biggest needs that we're headed into the draft that we can realistically expect to fill in the 2022 draft? What do you think? For uh, You want to start this, Andy? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So to me, again, still one is wide receiver. I still think you would need somebody to take the top off of the defense. I think you need a couple of those other ingredients, right? We talked about needing different pieces to that wide receiver group. People talk about wanting to build a basketball team. You've got your bigger guys, you've got your speed guys, you got your slot. Like you want those different types. And Matt LaFleur even made mention of this, that they need somebody to really take the top off. They lost MVS. They don't have that. They, I don't think, again, they can replace Devontae Adams, but I do think they need somebody to replace MVS in that regard. So uh, I do think they need to attack that somewhat aggressively in the draft. And again, I don't think I'm not a believer that that has to be one of their first, you know, two first round picks. I think they can find that in the second round or maybe even a little bit later, but I do think they still have to attack that aggressively. And then I think there's two really, um, you know, maybe positions that haven't been talked about quite as much that I think are still pretty big needs. The first one is edge rusher. And I think you look at the starters, right? And you say, all right, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, feel really good about those two as your starters, but the drop-off following that is significant. I know Zedaria Smith was out the majority of last year, but there's no Zedaria Smith. They brought in Whitney Merciless for a cup of coffee. He retires in the offseason. And then it's guys, what, like Rashawn, uh, excuse me, like uh, Jonathan Garvin and then Tipa Naliai. You know, you've got a couple guys that put some snaps on film, but the drop-off from Preston and Rashawn to that next group was significant. And again, I, I shudder to think if all of a sudden Preston or Rashawn go out for any significant period of time, just your pass rush productivity goes down, your ability to set the edge goes down. So I think if you can find one of those guys with your early picks that can come in and be a rotational guy, and we've seen with Rashawn Gary, right? It can take a couple of years to develop those guys too. Preston Smith's kind of a year by year guy. Rashawn's going to be around for a while, you would think. But you could, the, the old adage, you can never have enough pass rushers. I wholeheartedly believe that. We know Rashawn can kick in inside a little bit. We've seen Preston Smith rush over the center like they've done with Zedaria Smith. So even if you hit big, it's not like you can't get these guys on the field at the same time. So that to me is, is sort of number two. And then number three in the same sort of uh, regard is safety. 
again, you have Darnell Savage, you've got Adrian Amos, but Amos is in that same Preston Smith category where, you know, he's not getting any younger. It's going to be sort of a year by year thing. Mm -hmm. Darnell Savage has a major fifth year option coming up where Green Bay is going to have to make a decision on that. And even if you feel great about both of those, both now and into the future, they like that third safety on the field. Henry Black is gone. Vernon Scott, you don't know what you have. So they have that hole at that third safety spot. I'm sure they'd love a safety who they could pair with Devondre Campbell on obvious passing downs as sort of that situational hybrid linebacker safety position. They don't specifically have that unless, again, they feel great about Vernon Scott, which is tough to say that they would when they didn't play him at all a season ago. Um, and then again, you know, even the depth there, right? If all of a sudden mm. Savage or Amos goes out for any specific period of time, all of a sudden you have a major question at safety where you don't have a player to pick that up. So I like the edge rusher and safety classes, especially where Green Bay is picking in the late first, you know, mid second round. Um, and I think they can find players there. But to me, those would be the three wide receiver edge rusher safety that I'd love to see Green Bay attack early and often. Yeah. Yeah, and when you, you you talk about the edge rusher, that is something as as we know, <clears throat> not having inventory, obviously not having the the bodies can come that can, can call big because obviously something that Green Bay has struggled with is injuries. You know, injuries have popped up at times of the season where now you looking at like looking at the depth chart, like all right, who do we got <laughs> to put in there? So you don't want to have that look down that 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 list and be like, man, we have, you know Preston's out or or Rashad's out, this is what we got to deal with, or this is what we got to work with. So you don't want to be there yet. So getting a guy, a high quality grade uh, defender or edge rusher coming in the draft, that'll be, obviously that'll pay dividends, Mike. Yeah, I, I would have the same three as you, uh, Andy. I think I, I would start with edge rusher. Edge rusher scares me the most, or I would say outside linebacker, mm -hmm. because I yeah. think the way that those guys set set the edge in the run game is probably just as important as a, as a uh, setup in the passing game. The drop off is very, very significant. I had to look up the names of the guys behind them because I just know them as forty and fifty three because they, they don't really make plays, mm -hmm. and I'm, you know, that's that's not a that's not. They haven't average. been a whole lot in the game, right? Yeah, they just they just don't make a lot of plays, so you just don't notice them that much. Um, safety, obviously, Andy, you and I have talked about this at length. Um, I think that I would love to see, and Keanu Neal's a guy that I think when he got drafted, we were looking at him as a player when he got drafted by Atlanta. Now he's, I think, now he's in Tampa. He just went through Dallas, but. Yeah. Just from just from the way that the body type, Cam Chancellor body type, I would love to see an alley safety on this team. I would just love to see an alley safety, a big guy to be, that can tackle, that can come downhill. You just said it before, a guy that can come down and play in the box. We play mm -hmm. so much cover two now, and that's kind of the trend in the league. Who knows if it's going to be here in, in, in three, four years. But as of right now, you just need that guy who can come down and make tackles in, in the channel. Um, I don't know. We've talked – we like Adrian Amos, like you said, but – you don't know how much longer he's going to be able to be play at this level, but gosh, I think that that is a position that if you had the right body, you could have somebody that can come down here and play immediate because the defense really isn't that hard to figure out. Like the system that you're learning is not that complicated. I think it would be easy mm -hmm. to get a guy that can come in that can thump and play. Mm -hmm. The only other position I would talk about is tight end. I'm just I'm just dying to see a good solid tight end come in yes, here. And play. Yeah, I agree. You know, well. a guy that can do a, a guy because here's the thing for me. I would say wide receiver, except for I just don't think there's a Jamar Chase that's going to fall into yeah, our laps, not. that's going to play not. this year. And mm -hmm. so what we see right now, maybe you get us like, I remember when I got drafted, we got brought, we brought in Corey Bradford. Corey Bradford could just take all literally he could do was run a nine. Yeah. Right. And you just, you, every once in a while, you threw it up to him, he'd get a PI, we'd make a play. Right. And that's an important part of any offense. Sometimes you got to get yourself out of a rut, but we can kind of find speed. Like every, all these guys are fast now, it seems like. So for me, when you look at you've got you've got Randall Cobb, you've got Lazard, and, and now you've got Sammy Watkins. Those guys are going to be on the field. But now let's if we created 
a, a real weapon at tie, at the tight end position. Someone that can play all three downs, that can stretch the field, that can block. You don't have to take him out in certain situations like we do with Tunyon. I think that would be a huge asset for this team and just do wonders for – especially for Rodgers, man. I mean, you, we know this. There's no better security blanket in the league than a than a really, really good tight end. And so – I, I might I, now that I'm talking to myself, I might put that as like my top priority. But between that and edge rusher, man, I, I would really like to see those those positions improved. So as much as end, I love Mercedes Lewis, tight yeah. end's interesting, right? Because a there's not that there arguably is probably not a first round tight end in this entire draft class. So like going and trying to find that guy it makes it difficult. Also historically, tight end has been one of the positions that takes the longest to go from college to the NFL to get on the field as a blocker, receiver, and do everything that's asked. So. I think that's probably one of the reasons I haven't prioritized it quite as much. And then the other thing is that I sort of like, if you look how GMs think sometimes it's like, all right, what guys do we have in the room and maybe like want to stick around. And I know that like none of these guys individually are guys that you're maybe making decisions on, especially with Tunyon on a one-year deal, Lewis so late in his career, but you start looking, all right, Tunyon's going to probably make the team. Lewis is going to make the team. And again, I'm not saying that, you know, and then you've got Deguara that's going to make the team. You've got three guys that are probably locks already. And then you've got guys like Dominique Daphne and even Tyler Davis who played a decent amount last year. Like I can just see like maybe Brian Gutekunst feeling like, all right, we have enough guys in that room where if we bring anyone in, we got to start cutting these guys. We have enough guys in that room right now that can at least help us right now, even though they're not that guy that you're talking about clearly that will address that position late, you know, in future years and get by with that now, if we can help everything else. But I, I totally don't disagree with anything that you said. If they could find that guy, I would love that guy to be on the backers. Yeah. But so here's, here's the, here's the rub that I was, the, this is a problem that we as players always, always take issue with when you talk about the general manager's perspective, right? Like from my, look like from my perspective, you need to draft a guy while Mercedes Lewis is still in the building. Absolutely. Because, yeah. because that's the guy that you want to, to learn, to impart information from, right? You need yep. to, that man needs to be there to mentor whoever you bring in because otherwise you might bring in a Mike Giusecki or something like that, like they have down in Miami that literally doesn't even, it doesn't know the first thing about blocking is just a slot wide receiver. Like we don't need any more slot wide receivers. Like you said earlier, yep. right? At some point, these defenses are going to, when Robert Tunyon comes in, no offense to him, but you can just keep playing nickel or dime. It doesn't matter. He's not blocking anybody. Right. So for me, the window closes to get a guy that you can develop and accelerate development when Mercedes Lewis leaves. So if you go and get, even get the kid from Colorado state, I know he's not a first rounder, but even if you go pick up the kid from Colorado state, he's athletic, he looks willing. And so now you just put a real pro in front of him and teach him the ropes and Hey, Mercedes, this is part of the deal, man. This is part of your legacy, right? I'm sure a guy like that is more than happy to be fulfill that role. It's just I think when you I think when Mercedes Lewis leaves, you lose a real opportunity to teach because the coach is going to give him so much. But as AG has talked about many times with guys like Dorsey Levins and then the role that he played with some of these younger cats, mm-hmm. there's nothing that that is more important in a room than having a veteran leader. Yeah. And what he's referring to, Andrew, is the fact that when I came in, you know, trade for Fred Vincent in 2000, Dorsey, I mean, not that he stepped forward. He just was him. He was himself where he took me under his wing right away. He was telling me the ins and outs of the offense, ins and outs of the team, ins and outs of Green Bay, you know, and that just helped me as a young player, for one, feel supported. Like, man, this this dude got my back. Seattle, I had Ricky Waters, you know, nothing against him as a human being, but as a player, he wasn't that guy. He wasn't that leader in the room of the running back room in Seattle. So it was a completely 360, I say 180 when I got here to Green Bay to have Dorsey doing what he did. But then other guys, other positions, Gilbert Brown, Leroy Butler, um, Mike, and 
then Marco hanging, start hanging out with those guys was just like, I, I wish I got drafted here. I'm like, this is fun. You know, this feels like college again or little league where these guys, we know each other. We could, we could jab at each other, but then also we could play high end football with each other. Cause we can't hold each other accountable and say, Hey man, you're not doing your job. What's up? You know, do you need help or whatever? We could, we could have those conversations with one another to get better um, basically. So so I know and, we're talking. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, and to your point, I actually I think this is something that Green Bay legitimately tries to do, right? You look at every room in the building. You got Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, Aaron Jones at running back. You got Mercedes at tight end. You know, wide receiver. Now you've got obviously Randall Cobb is mm-hmm. sort of that veteran in the room. Bakhtiari at tackle. You've got Preston at edge rusher. Kenny in the interior of the defensive line. Devondre at linebacker. Even Razul and Jair at corner, and then Amos at safety. Mason on special teams, like you've got a guy in every single one of those rooms that's an established veteran that is hopefully setting the, the table and setting the pace for everyone else and being like, this is what we need to do. This is where we need to be. I think Green Bay has legitimately gone out of their way to try to have somebody in that room in each of those rooms almost at all time that can lead the way in that regards. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you kind of touched on it already when we were, before we started recording. We said when you were a kid, you, you would do your own mock draft. So now as an adult, you've been doing this for a very long time. What do you have the Packers doing in the early rounds? You already kind of tested on it already. Yeah. So this is, I mean, I think it's one of the more interesting drafts because Green Bay has a type. So with their first round picks, I think 14 of the last 17 first round picks really since Ted came to Green Bay, they've prioritized premium position players, which means, and again, we could argue what that exactly is, but quarterback, uh, left tackle or offensive tackle, um, and then defensive line, edge rusher, and corner. Those 14 of their 17 first-round picks have been those players. And as has been pointed out ad nauseum, they have not p- picked a positional, like a skill position player, court, uh, running back, wide receiver, or tight end since Javon Walker, which has mm. been a hot second, to say right. the least. 2002. I'm in addition. Yeah, exactly. So in addition, they have prioritized highly athletic players, and they've really prioritized younger players as well. So ideally somebody who's 20, 21, maybe early 22 years old, and you start looking through this draft and it, it starts getting to be like, all right, they're almost going to have to bend at something because the mm-hmm. players that hit the key positions that are young, that are ultra athletic, et cetera, there's just not many of them where Green Bay could potentially be picking. There's a, a couple that are potential exceptions. I think George Karloftis, the edge rusher from Purdue, I think hits everything that they would potentially look at, save for maybe the arm length. That's one thing that they usually prioritize a little bit along the edge, and he doesn't have it. But everything else, ultra-athlete, productive as a pass rusher. In fact, his productivity percentage was as good as Aiden Hutchinson at Michigan, same conference, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, again, highly athletic, super young, hits everything that they would want at that premium position. I wholeheartedly believe that if Karloftis is there at 22, I think they would probably sprint to the podium and take him. We just mentioned how much of a priority edge rusher is. That, to me, is a player that hits everything. Boye Mafe is another one that potentially could be, but he is a little mm-hmm. bit over aged he's going to be I think 24 this season and again maybe that doesn't matter all that much but you know you look at Kenny Clark right he's going to be 20 he's 26 right now and he's been in the league for six seasons and Mafe would be 24 this season you just start you know if, if he still has things to work on and you want him to like you know build on things well ideally you're hoping that they're 20 21 22 not 24 years old but that's another player that could potentially hit and you start looking at those wide receivers I really feel like Alec Pierce Christian Watson maybe even a George Pickens starts hitting a lot of their profile things I think a lot of those guys are probably more early second rounders so maybe you see them trade back at the end of the first or maybe trade up at the beginning of the second Mm -hmm. and then one last one I'll mention too 
Lewis seen Mike, you were talking about a safety yeah. that you would love to see come up and fill an alley. Yeah. To me, he's one of the better ones I've seen coming out of the university of Georgia. He will fly to the football from that safety position. You want to talk about somebody who can play that cover two and, you know, play back. And then as soon as the ball snaps, if it's run, he will fly up and fill an alley. I think what he could be is potentially that somebody plays safety alongside of Adrian Amos in base downs. And you could put Savage in the slot again on base downs um, with Jair and, you know, probably Stokes on the outside. And then you get into obvious passing situations. You put Jair in the slot. You put Douglas and, and Stokes on the outside. Now you've got Amos and Savage back at safety. And now you have seen maybe next to Devondre Campbell in that hybrid position. I think you could be used in a lot of different ways. And if you felt comfortable enough with him, he would probably be a demon on special teams as well. And all of a sudden, he's probably your best friend in the special teams room, um, you know, with Rich Passaccia and that new coaching staff. So those are some names that I'm definitely looking at as Green Bay starts selecting towards the end of round one. Yeah, I yeah. like – I watched seeing a little like bit, that. you know, the, the – the discussion on scene is that he, you know, this it depends on how much film you watch and who you talk to. He loves to fill and he's out of control, yeah. right? <laughs> which is, but, but, which actually, if you, have, okay. if you have a good position coach, that's fine. Fixable. Exactly. Is, you always want to err on aggressive. Like you always want to be able, unless, except maybe even the quarterback position, but you always want to err physically. You want to err on aggressive. Yeah. And so I, yeah, I, I looked at him as, as somebody that would be a, a phenomenal opportunity. And I think that kind of transitions us. You, you did a good job of, of bringing up some some wide receivers, but I wanted to talk about when we get into our trench warfare series here. You know, now that now that Z's gone, we talked about that depth, and there's obviously a couple of guys at the top of the list when we talk about edge players. Whether we're going to classify them as defense fans or or outside linebackers, a lot of these guys can play with their hands up or uh, hands down. I think the guy, the Purdue kid, is going to be a hand in the dirt player. But when you look at that position, or maybe even Andy, when you look at the positions in general. Um, how do you prioritize kind of like I look at a couple things, right? Physical traits, yep. technical ability, sporting intelligence, and then kind of that, what are we going to call it? You got a little shit to you, motor, whatever you want to call that, right? How do you prioritize those when you kind of go down your, your list? We could spend probably the entire day talking about this. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, one of the things that is really interesting is I think it very much varies position by position, right? I think every position has a couple different traits that I'm ultimately looking for, you know, with quarterback, for example, you know, the level of intelligence and how they can handle an offense, their leadership ability. Like there is so much that goes into that position that, you know, yeah, I would love to talk about their footwork and I think their footwork guides everything mm -hmm. else, but like, that's just like the tip of the iceberg, right. And how they're just sort of wired as a player and how they mm -hmm. know how to win. And like all of that matters so much at the quarterback position, offensive lineman, right. You mentioned that mentality. I want somebody who's got a little bit of nasty to him on the offensive line that has the intelligence that they can still, uh, you know, figure out every concept, figure out every blitz, but they have that demeanor that they want to take somebody out. And that, you know, if, if all of a sudden somebody comes at my quarterback, they're going to be the first one that's rushing to the quarterback and, you know, defending them and pushing the other guy and everything like that. So that mentality absolutely matters. What I'm ultimately looking for, if we're sort of like, you know, lowest common denominator and take all the positions together and sort of figure out, you know, I, I ideally what I'm looking at from like a, a draft standpoint I would love to see obviously some level of production, right? I would love to see some level of like, all right, dominance or like when you put on the tape, like you can quickly pick out that guy. Mm -hmm. I, I forget who it was, but somebody posted this recently. I think it was a coach who like, who said it, but like, if you don't know in the first 10 plays of watching the guy that's somebody that you're interested in, probably not the guy for you, right? Like you got to like have some innate ability to be like, 
that that guy is dominant. That guy is impressive. Mm-hmm. And I like I want I want to learn more about that. And that's not to mean that they're going to be great. It's not to mean that mm-hmm. like that's the be all end all. But that's like a starting point of like, all right, I'm interested in this prospect. And then I want to look at, you know, again, you mentioned all of the athletic testing and things like that. But I want it to match with production. And it's great to have a, a 4 3 40, but if they play slow on tape, it do, what, what does it matter? If they play off balance um, and they don't have the ability to use that 4 3 40 to their potential, what does it matter? Um, you know, I think we're going to talk about uh, penning a little bit later on the offensive tackle side, right? Tested through the roof. I don't always see that same level of athleticism on the field. So I want to marry the the traits with the tape and see what that looks like. So I think you start looking at, you know, what's their level of motivation. This may sound really, really stupid, but if like, if a guy mm-hmm. is that when something goes wrong, or if they really care when something goes well, like it, it likely means to me that it, it matters a lot to them and mm-hmm. that they're like, they're more likely to hit their ceiling as a player. If somebody's sort of just, you know, going through the motions or whatever, again, if they have all the testing intangibles and everything like that, but it, again, it doesn't translate on tape. They don't care about it. You know, what's the odds that they're actually going to meet their full potential. So you're looking at athletic testing, you're looking at tape and production, mm-hmm. You're looking at how much they care about the game. And then again, the, the piece that we don't always get to see, I was just talking about this with Ben Fennell the other day that, that scouts and, and NFL teams have access to is like, what's their, what's their personality? Like, you know, meaning like if we watch all the tape in the world, right. If I take boy Mafe and I watch every snap of his in college on all 22, and I have a really good feeling for who this player is. And I'm like, yep, that's who we're going to pick. If I didn't bring him in and talk to him, it's akin to, you know, somebody handing me their resume for a job and just being like, all right, I'm going to hire this person without ever bringing them in for an interview, like how they actually interact with the team and everything like that, how they're going to be in the locker room, all mm-hmm. that matters as well. So again, we could probably talk about this for literally days on end, because again, by position, it matters a lot too, but those are some <clears> things <throat> that start going through my head as I'm looking at these players. Yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree with that because to know, Someone, someone's want to or someone's passion about the game and it shows up, like you mentioned, a bad plate happens. They fumble the ball. What happens the next play for them? Yep. Quarterback throws an interception. What, when he comes back on the field, what does he do next? D-tackle, misses a tackle, misses a sack, vice versa. You know the story. So when you have that player that does do that, he shows up on the next play. That's something for me, too. That will be like, okay, I see where they're at because I know mentally they're strong and they could get through a mistake and uh, continue to play and get better through the um, through the game. Because I remember my, my I say my probably off season going into my second year in Seattle and mini around this time mini camp time and I remember it was a wide receivers coach. He saw me, I dropped the ball and I was beating myself up about it. He pulled me to the side. He's like, AG. He's like, don't worry about that pass catch. He was like. Think about what you're going to do the next play. How are you going to better yourself? How are you going to catch the next pass? Look at that. Don't look at what happened behind you because what happens behind you can stop you moving forward. And I'm, you know, I'm 22. I'm like, that makes sense. Yeah. So that, that for me, you know, that right there, just I stuck with that all through my career when I would have those moments when I'm starting to dig in on myself. I'm like, hold up. I got a chance. I got an opportunity here to better, you know, get back on the field. I got another series coming up or I got another rep coming up in practice or a game. Let's go and now make it just make it happen on that uh, that aspect. So I, you know, it's interesting. Yeah, I, might. I look at things a little bit. I think I think it look at things a little bit differently. Um, I think the bandwidth and talent in the NFL is pretty narrow. That's true, right? Yeah, I agree. So what I like to see is 
especially if you're looking at a guy in college, I want to see the kind of progression they made in college physically. That matters more to me than how how great of an athlete they are. Because if I don't see a change year to year, that tells me a lot about their, their dedication to the mm-hmm. sport. When I think about what kind of athlete I want in the building, when I think about you, – you talk about footwork, you talk about technical mastery. Technical mastery tells me so much more about it. Now, we have to assume that they have – now, we know because we've been in, you know, if we're an NFL scout, if we're an NFL owner, we've probably been in a couple of buildings, so we have an understanding of what kind of coaching staff they have. Mm-hmm. Because some coaching staff don't teach you this stuff, right? So you're kind of coming in a little less finished product. But if you can find – if you find a guy that's a technical master, for example, then that speaks not so many – so much not only his on-field production, but also all the professionalism, right, details – resiliency get commit commitment to the cause like all those things like i could start building out a character profile and again talking to him is extremely important mm-hmm. but you kind of see how this stuff transitions now we're really talking about maybe those some of those physical tools those tangible measurements and how they translate to the game i i want to see what kind of i want to see if they're developing the confidence from preparation that it takes to be successful in the national football league because we, we're probably going to talk about there's players in this league or they're in this draft right now that are phenomenal athletes, but have a lot of question marks about them because they're one trick ponies. Right. Or they've showed that they maybe aren't dedicated to their craft. And so it's like those guys and those guys never work out. And it's, mm-hmm. it's like, um, you guys remember when J- uh, Jadavion Clowney got drafted? Remember yep. he, mm-hmm. he had that play against like Michigan, State, wait, Michigan NC state game. Right. And yeah. he, blew, he blew through and knocked that guy's block off. It's like a great play. And it's like, Okay, like that, you know, that it wasn't, it was just a play. Yeah, that was one. And he's and as good as an athlete as he has been, mm-hmm. it's tough to say he's really had that much. He hasn't had a great career. He's been on five different teams. And it's tough to say he's even had a better career than who, who's the, uh, the, the big fellow that got drafted by Houston? Gosh, oh, Mario Williams. Right? Mario Williams. Mario Williams, right? And Same I remember time. when he was coming out. Everyone said, oh, he's such a great ass. He's strong. He's all of that. He's a little bit stiff in the hips, but not really dedicated to the sport. And so I was a teammate, so I could vouch for that. Yeah. So. They just, I mean, just what I, they, I, he was in Miami. He's a great guy, but he's just not really dedicated to the sport. And so you, you have to be able, like, there's just, I just think there's breadcrumbs everywhere, right? About what kind of people these, these, these guys are going to be. And, you know, it's interesting how these different teams, cut the herd and i think ag is going to hit you with this question right now ag because it, it, it kind of leads into into this i'll hit him with this question then we got a nice little sponsorship read here but here for that question he's mike's still referring to andrew so why do some people so many people um miss on draft picks when that comes around you know and i think a lot of it is the white the white noise and you know what i'm talking about white noise out there that everybody's trying to listen to to get the pick, but in your opinion, what is that reason? Why so I, let me miss? just clarify. Are we talking about teams missing on picks or are we talking about like, okay. Yes. Teams but missing on picks. I think this is a really interesting question and I would actually be like both of you. I'd be interested in this. So I guess like we're I, very I opinionated. Wondering. Very. <laughs> yes, right. So I'm, I'm wondering like if, if, if Tom Brady goes to, or like if Aaron Rodgers and Alex Smith are switched, right. Let's just go there. 
Is Aaron, where's Aaron Rodgers in his career and where's Alex Smith? Smith gets the consistency. He gets the Mike McCarthy coaching school. He gets time to play behind Brett Favre. He gets to sit for a while. And if you look at Rodgers, right, you look at those first couple preseasons, was not ready. They probably put him right in in San Francisco in a system that he's not ready to run. Like, are there career trajectories different? If Tom Brady isn't, and, you know, I, I think Brady's probably unique enough where he finds a way to be successful anyway, but like, and probably Rodgers too, but like how much of it is, is where you end up and what scheme you go to Baker Mayfield, right? If he doesn't go to a place where he plays with three or four different coordinators in his first four seasons, and he ends up going to a place where he can sit and develop for a little bit and work on his craft and then go up in a place that's ready to win right away. Does that change the entire trajectory? And as Mike's mentioning, so I think there's a couple things here. Like one of my favorite things to do right after the draft is done is figure out which prospects and which players went to like the perfect scenario, right? DK Metcalf is a great example, the one that I always use for this. I think DK Metcalf goes in a couple different scenarios and maybe like places and he maybe doesn't get used exactly the right way. He goes to the best deep ball thrower, arguably in the NFL and Russell Wilson to a guy who's one of the best deep ball catchers in the NFL. To me, that's just a perfect marriage. He was going to fit that offense. They were going to be a primary run team. You've got a perfect route runner on the other side in Tyler Lockett. DK Metcalf goes to the perfect scenario, in my opinion, and was more likely to be successful because of that. That's one of the things that I look for is who matches up and marries well with scheme, you know, the, 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 you know, the team that fits well, et cetera. The other thing is I think we get enamored with potential. Mario Williams, Jadavian Clowney, we just talked about it. I think Trayvon Walker's and like Trayvon Walker versus Aiden Hutchinson is another really interesting conversation between those two and who ends up going before the other one. Mm -hmm. But like you end up with seeing these players that have just this enormous potential. I think coaches and scouts and GMs think they're going to get in our building and we're going to be able to unlock that potential. And as Mike's saying, but you're missing all the breadcrumbs along the way that like this guy has played at like one of the biggest colleges in the world with great college or with great coaches, with great everything. And he wasn't able to put together a plan of attack and what he wants to do in technical mastery and all those sort of things. Right. So what makes you think he's going to come to the NFL and now all of a sudden start doing that stuff. And maybe it happens every once in a while, but a more often than not that it doesn't. So I think the I think people get too enamored with potential and not results in production and process, as Mike always likes to talk about. I think the other thing is sometimes players just go to the wrong scheme at the wrong time and the wrong fit, and it just ends up derailing their career. And I think other times too, I think injuries can play a part. One of my and I, I've never charted this out to see if it's a factor or not. But like I feel like when somebody misses a huge chart part of their first year, when they're starting to like go through those rookie mini camps and OTAs and training camps and maybe miss a part of the season. Like it just feels like it puts them so behind the eight ball Mm -hmm. or just, they so struggle to catch up and ever like regain momentum. And it just feels like their career started to goes off on the wrong rail from there. So strong start, how, where they end up. And then again, overvaluing potential over production and process, I think would be the three things that I would, I would point to. I had a, I had a, a high, high-ranking executive tell me that every every 22-year-old athlete that comes in, every 22-year-old, I call them, let's just call them adult athletes, that come into a, a football building or like out of college are like unmolded clay, yeah. unmolded clay. Mm-hmm. And, we're, and our, job is to, our job is to mold them. Agreed. And I thought that was maybe one of the singular worst arguments I've ever heard in my life. Because at 22 years old, I know your, I know your prefrontal cortex isn't completely developed, but at 22 years old, you're pretty much are who you are. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and the, the idea that we're going to dump a bunch of money in your lap and we're going to put you in the situation, you're going to change all of a sudden who you fundamentally are is absurd. And that's why 
that's why you because again because we're 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 working at we're looking at athletic potential, and we forget that the most important ninety percent of this game is about what's going on above your shoulders. Mm-hmm. To your point about to your point about finding the right fit, I think there I think there definitely are you know two or three different kinds of athletes in the National Football League. There's athletes that aren't going to make it no matter where you put them because they don't have it above their shoulders. Right. I think there's athletes that are going to make it no matter what. Now, Aaron Rodgers versus um, Smith. Like, Listen, Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback by any measurable standard, Absolutely. right? No matter where he goes, he's going to be better. I don't think, and quite frankly, like I'm not sure the Mike McCarthy school of quarterbacking is the best school to be at. I think the Andy Reid would would probably be – he'd be better yeah. off, right? Mm-hmm. So we could, we could look at some other places that have really good quarterback developers. Um, and then there's the majority of the athletes that do make it or be, rise to a high level probably rise as a combination of the dedication they have, the commitment of co- to the cause that they have, but they have been put in a scenario that works. AG is a, a great example of a guy who's, he was going to find success, but he was in Seattle and he was chugging along. He wasn't a superstar yet. And when he touched down in green Bay, it didn't take very long to realize he was the guy because he was put in a scenario that was allowed him to be successful. Right. Things right. happen. I was lucky to, uh, got, I was lucky to get drafted there. I got a guy who got in, in my second year, a guy got hurt in training camp. I got, you get a chance to play. Like mm-hmm. those things have to happen in order for you to find success. Um, and so every, I think everybody's story usually has something like that. They got traded, they got moved, a new coach came in, somebody got hurt. Like, like all of our successes are a combined result of other people's failures to some extent or, or to be switching around. But mm-hmm. at the end of it, like there's a there is a personality trait that, and I, we always talk about this, and it's not it's we it's not an analytic, so it's very very tough to to make the argument for. But like I, we always just say, hey, sharks can smell sharks. You want to you want to hire a running back? You throw him on throw him on green. If you're a Green Bay Packer, throw him on green in the room with him for ten minutes, and Amon's going to give you a keep him in the list. Sorry, where's my camera? Keep him in the list or get rid of him. You know what yeah. I mean? It's going to happen. You put an offensive lineman in front of me in 10 minutes, five minutes, you know, to, to your point, AG, what do we say? How many, how many clips do I need to watch of an offensive lineman to tell you if we should keep looking at them or not? Five? Maybe. That's Maybe about, five. about five, five tops. I'll say five. Yeah, and, and, tops. and I'm not like, I'm not saying that because we should only watch five clips. I'm just telling you, I can tell them five clips, whether or not yeah. you want to draft the guy mm-hmm. in a certain round, because mm-hmm. it, it just, it jumps off the screen. Once you start looking at this stuff, but. Andy, I think you make really, really good points. Um, it, it is, it's always so perplexing with some of these guys, how bad they miss on character, how bad yes. they miss on character. Yeah. And then I'm going to get into this. So another thing a lot of these players I think are, should be doing, if not, is taking care of their bodies with athletic greens. So tons of people take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, uh, adaptogens to start your day off right. So there's a special blend of ingredients. There's gut health, is your nervous system, is your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. So it's also a lifestyle-friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or no artificial anything. So claim your health. And arm your immune and, and, and your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It is just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. So it makes it easy. Athletic Greens is going to give you free a free one year of supply of uh, immune 
supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs for your first purchase. So all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe that's B L E A V again, again, that's athleticgreens.com slash believe. So disclaimer here, I'm gonna go real fast here. This statement has not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Athletic Greens, take ownership of your health, Andrew. So there you go. Excellent so job, AG. AG, let's hey, and then thank you for the uh, the, the, the kudos earlier. I appreciate that. Sure. AG, let's let's let me let me get one more question transformed for let's move on because we're we're uh, we're running up on hour. Yep. But Andy, I, I wanted to ask you this just because it's I'm an offensive lineman. You know the three top tackles at, at the top of the at the uh, top of the list. We got a Quanu, uh, Neil, and, and of course uh, Cross. Rank them, at, rank them, at, and why? All right. <laughs> Oh, we put I, actually like, there. There, there. I actually like of like the three that I, like the one I like the most. Let me just put it that way is cross. I like cross the most. Okay. I think Icky's going to be the best because uh, so I, I think he has the most technically sound tape of the three. So I, I feel like his footwork is the best. I feel like he is going to be able to, how do I want to say it? Like not, not necessarily just be like a plug and play guy, but I think he's going to be the most consistent process over and over and over and over. I do. I struggle a little bit with the the Mike Leach offense. I go back to Andre Dillard coming out. I loved Andre Dillard coming out. I don't know how you felt about Andre Dillard, but I liked him a lot coming out. And he is not produced in Philadelphia. And it's same system and same sort of better pass blocker. We're not sure how they're going to be as a run blocker because it's sort of a crackerjack offense. So, so those are some of the concerns that I have. I get loving Icky, but um, I think some of I think he's going to be a phenomenal run blocker day one. But I do feel like sometimes we over-evaluate some of these players with his sort of strength and build. I go back to a Greg Robinson. I go back to Makai Becton a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, I want a little bit more of the technically sound than just, like, big physical mauling type of players. I get that we would all love to have a Walter Jones. But Walter Jones, to me, is, like, the exception to the rule. Sometimes mm-hmm. there's not a lot of those players that have been made and have been super Walter successful. Jones ran a four six five. Yeah, that's, that's scary. Just insane. That's scary. That's absolutely insane. Um, and then I, I, I honestly, probably the player, maybe the player that I had the biggest struggle with evaluating in this draft was Evan Neal. I really liked him overall. I think he's going to be a good player. Um, I like his footwork overall. I like his punch overall. He's not a holder. That's one of the, my favorite things about it. Like, I don't think he holds a lot. Um, I think he needs to do a little bit better job of staying on balance, not leaning. Uh, he's not super overpowering in the run game. So I would probably go, um, I would probably go cross and then, Maybe Neil and then Icky, but Neil and Icky are close to me, just two totally different players. But mm-hmm. that, that's where I'm at. But like the last thing I'll say really quick about any of the three is like I go back to the draft with like Werfs and Wills and Becton and um, who was the other one? Andrew Thomas. Like I would yep. put all three of these guys behind all four of those guys. Mm-hmm. And then who are the la- who was the top guys last year? Is why am I drawing a blank? Do you remember the top tackles last year? But I would put these guys more in like the middle of the round, like Christian Darasaw type of. Oh, well, Rashad Rash- Slater. Slater. Uh, yeah, Rashad Slater was up there. And then, and then um, um, Penny Sewell. Penny Sewell. Like I would have put those two guys ahead of any of these guys. So like I just, I think it's a decent group, but like I don't feel like it's like a top offensive tackle class. So yeah, I don't disagree with you. I think, you know, the thing that's interesting about Cross is I think he's a holder. Right, yeah. so the, all three of them need technical work. There's no question about it. I, you mm-hmm. know, even even with Cross's stance, it kind of like it just kind of bothers me. Um, but he's, I know he's down working with um, with Duke, so I, I'm sure I'm sure Duke will get him right. Evan Neal, 
is the best athlete of the group. But when you like, it's a it's a red flag if you've been 360 pounds, and then all of a sudden you show up at like the combine at 335. Like that's a red flag to me. Yeah, because the, for exactly what we just talked about, like, dude, why are you 335 now? If you were just 360, why are you 335 now? That doesn't like that just doesn't sit because it's very easy to get back there, right? And all of a sudden you're not productive. Mm. And it's just again for me personally that speaks volumes because that's 25 pounds that you've just added or took away from. I don't know if that's going to be a permanent thing. Um, mm-hmm. Here's an interesting. Here's something that's kind of fun to think about. The Aquano guy, like I think he's just, I think he's a huge work in progress. Yeah. Um, I think all these guys could be offensive linemen in the National Football League. I think maybe of all of them. Coaching is going to matter the most with Aquanu, like getting the right Agreed. developmental coach. Agreed. But here's here's something interesting about – I was just looking at these guys last night. Here's a fun game, okay? Alabama tackles in the last – in the Nick Saban era. We could say, okay, Chance Warmack played tackle there. Andre Didn't Smith turn. was an Outland Trophy winner. Didn't turn DJ out. Fluker. Didn't turn Jonah out. Williams, jury's still out. Cam Robinson. Didn't turn out. Jedrick Willis, I think he's going to be a good player, but he's with Bill Callahan, who's the best coach in the league. Yep. Okay. You really have to go back to like Chris Samuel to start looking at like a real badass Alabama tackle. I can't think of another one. Now they've had Ryan Kelly. He's awesome. Evan Mathis, who was a journeyman until he got with a really good coach in mud. And then he was like a two or three time all pro Alabama guy. Mm -hmm. But it's not like we're, we're sitting here with Outland trophies, Mm -hmm. all SEC, all this stuff. A lot of these guys don't translate for some reason. Leatherwood last year, remember Leatherwood? Yeah. Was it two years yeah. ago? Or was it last year? Two years and ago. Just was, like, uh, yeah, Mayock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just start thinking like, well, wait a second, how how did you guys miss on that? Like, it's it, it hasn't been pretty so far. Mm. So, it, it's it. I thanks thanks for giving us your input, man. I I just I'm always interested because everyone said I always say oh, go for the technical guy, and the more I started looking at Cross, I was like, he's he can mirror well much better than the other two. But there's a lot of like punch and extend stuff and marrying your feet to your hands. And I, I don't and listen, they're all going to be good. They're all going to be better than I was. So, you know, what the hell? Yeah. You know, like nine penalties last year, seven of them were holding penalties. So to your oh, point, yeah. that was one of my, one of my, uh, you know, traits. And then I do think like, and I'd be curious your thoughts on this as well, Mike, like where, where do you come up? Like, obviously, and again, scheme is going to be a major thing, right? So like what scheme you want to run and everything like that. But like, do you want like obviously there's more sometimes there's more finesse offensive linemen you know obviously maybe a little bit more pass protect a little more quick and then there's more like power physical throw you to the ground offensive linemen again scheme is going to be a major differentiator here but what 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 would you prefer like when you see the you know obviously if they have both great but it's more more often than not it's one of the you, I think you always I think you want to err on the side of having God that's really tough. Mm-hmm. Um, I like because I I want to be you know like we took a, I took a lot of pride in like having the most knockdowns every year like that was you know yeah. something I wanted but um, <clears throat> like Chad was our best athlete right and he mm, played yeah. left tackle and, and he did a really he did a really good job you know and he but but he he if he if his jersey was clean at the end of the day he considered that a win yeah yeah you know what uh. I mean. So I think when you're building an offensive line, I think you need <clears throat> people at certain positions and like tackle just have left tackle in particular in 90% of the offenses happens to be the one place where you go like, 
you know what, dude? Just all you got to do is make sure that guy doesn't hit that guy. Okay. Yeah. That's it. Everything else, like just we hope you can do more. But if that's all you do today, you're going to be an all pro. You're going to make a hundred million dollars, you know, all of that good stuff. And then you start looking down the line, like, okay, you can get your guards in your center, your right tackle, you can get a good tight end, fullback. We can find enforcers, we can find guys that are going to fight. But we need – you have to have an athlete at that position, man. You just that's, can't get that's around That's why it. I loved your offensive line, like going left to right. Clifton and then you and then what, Flanagan and then Rivera. Flanagan and Marco, yeah. Like two different types, like two different like sides of the line, right? And like yeah. everyone was good at what they did. It was different personalities. It was different types. And it all just fit together so damn well. And that, that's did. what made it so fun. Hey, and, and, that's, why I, and that's why I had, do, had fun doing what I was doing because of yeah. those guys. And – they beat me up mentally, physically. They got me ready for the game. I was ready to go. But I know, Mike, you want to get into the, the hot takes here. <clears throat> we got a spike or punt session for you, right? So I want it first thing that comes to your mind, okay? Okay. Packers receive an A from the ESPN draft, draft experts after the draft last next week. No chance. No chance. No chance. Baker Mayfield receives higher than a third-round pick in trade comp. No chance. No chance? No, higher than a no. third round? You think so it's going to be the contract or complicates it. The con so he's got yeah, 18, mil, 18 mil guaranteed, right? So right, maybe, yeah. maybe if the, the Browns take on the majority of, then I could see where he goes for a little bit higher. The thing I struggle with Baker right now is, is who like Seattle just re-signed Geno Smith. They have drew lock. Like, are they going to bring a third guy in? Plus they could I think Carolina will take him. I honestly think Carolina, if, if, if Cleveland agrees to take, take some of the money off the table, I think mm -hmm. Carolina will take him because I mean, you know, I, I know enough just from being around there. Like, they're they're in a real bad situation right now. And I agree. That, that owner, David Tepper, he's not having it. And, like, then – and then that interest of, like, what happens with Darnold because he has the same 18 mil guaranteed. So, like, the contract – but yeah. I think – yeah. I, I think Cleveland, honestly, like, their best case is, like, they wait till camp and hope one of these starting quarterbacks goes down in preseason yeah. or in camp and then – but I don't know that they are going to want to wait that long to – Aren't you, you going to overpay for Garoppolo then at that point? You're probably right. You're probably right. All right. So Bucks really headed to the NBA Finals. What's that? Bucks headed to the NBA Finals. Spike it or punt it? I'm spiking it. I'm saying yes. I love it. Kyle Hamilton, Notre Dame safety. Okay. Didn't have a great 40 time. Looks amazing. Is he worth a top five pick? No. Punt. Because he's a safety or because of him? More because he's a safety, but if I'm also taking a safety that high, they have to have freaking everything. Like they have to have, they, they, it has to be perfect. Be right? It has to be second coming of Ed Reed. It, it better be second yeah. coming of Ed Reed. And I think I think he's more Justin Simmons, um, frankly, and which is a really good player, like really really good player. First round pick all day, but like, and maybe in this draft because I don't, I'm not super in love with this draft. Like if you took him top five, I'm like, okay, I don't hate it, but probably not what I would do. Packers cannot draft a single offensive player and still be a top five offense next year. I will spike it hesitantly. I think so. Okay. You're going to pump fake it? It's going to be like, it's just going to be like one of those where you just kind of like kind of spike it. Like, <clears throat> not a Gronk spike. I'm not Gronk spiking this thing. <sighs> Goody trades Jordan Love on draft day. Mm. I'm going to punt it. Um, I just don't think there's the the thirst. Like, and I don't think they're the, he's not the type of GM that's going to take pennies on a dollar for a player. He'll bite the bullet. And it's not like they have like, I, I know everyone loves Kirk Bankert. I love Kirk Bankert, but it's not like they've got a guy in the roster that they feel super great about being Dude, back. I feel anyway. so bad for Jordan Love though. I feel terrible for him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I do. I feel terrible for him. Like he's never going to play. He's going to be four years into his career before he gets like any meaningful time. 
The only thing I would say is like, to some extent, you had last preseason and two games against Kansas City and Detroit. Not ideal. I'm not saying like I don't feel bad for him, but like if he balls out in those opportunities or even like looks like, like, okay, this is a guy we want to develop. Like some teams offering Green Bay, especially with this class of quarterbacks, like all he had to do was look better than this class of quarterbacks, which is That's not true. great. It's like all. Matt Flynn, right? Remember Matt Flynn? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So like if you if you balled out in one of those opportunities and one of those teams would have been like, this guy has more potential than than Malik Willis or Matt Corral. Somebody's offering Green Bay a top, you know, a first round pick, mm-hmm. a top 15 pick. And, you know, Matt Hasselbeck, another great example, right? Like Green Bay moves up from what pick like early in the, or like late in the draft to pick 10, they drafted Jamal Reynolds, not great. Um, But uh, they end up going up in the first round by trading away Matt Hasselbeck. If you've got that opportunity. Yeah. I'm sorry. Is there Jamal Reynolds? (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. (laughs) Nice kid. Nice kid. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Nice kid. Oh man! Yeah, he made more in millions than he had in tackles. But okay, did they did they get uh, did they get Kabir in the same draft as Jamal? No, Kabir was different draft. Yeah, Kabir came in the year I got traded. So okay, before you, yeah. So get off my lawn, time. Get Uh, off my lawn, Andy. Get off my lawn. So stuff that we want to, you know, when some if we are old grouchy man and we're sitting in our front porch and somebody's walking across it be like you better get off my lawn with that so we got some stuff here that we don't like and this one i'm on board with it mike baker's interview baker's interview baker goes on his buddy's show his dog sitting there pause his dog out out showed him it just put it there that kind of shows you the 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 temperature of that, that 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 podcast i did like the dog but i mean i mean i'm with you but Baker shows you in in one sit down why he's so divisive, right? Because on the one hand, you go, okay, well, you you have had all these coordinators, you had all this stuff. On the other hand, you got the progressive commercials, and and you haven't earned anything, and now you feel disrespected, and now you know, and 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 now you start throwing out names like Seattle. Just the way that he approaches it sometimes is. You just love for him to put his head down and work. You know, it's like old school. I wish I see. And I'm not talking about now. I'm talking about like before the progressive commercials. Like, yeah, go ahead and earn something. Don't be that guy because it's what usually happens. You get a little bit of success, you get the progressive commercials, you get fired. It happens all the time. It happens it happens to somebody every year. It's some manifestation of the same thing, man. Just get off my lawn with that. Yeah. He's, he's going to always be a divisive guy, right? Like he's going to tell you exactly who he is. And I think that, which is great. I, I love, like, I enjoy it, it, overall his personality and who he is, but at the end of the day, you have to back it up. And if you don't back it up, like if you back it up, everyone's going to be in love with you because you're going to be like, Oh, he tells it as it is. And everyone's going to be on board and not everyone clearly, because it's we're a polarized society, but like, you're going to have a lot more accident forgiveness by doing any that you're going to have what, you know, cause nobody's saying anything about state farm for Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers, right? Cause they're Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. So you back it up and he's golden. He doesn't back it up and has a season like he did a season ago and the Browns want to trade him and everything like that. And it's just, it, it, the optics are much, much worse. And you have to know when you can maybe be a little bit more outspoken and when you maybe need to put your head down and work a little bit more, like you said, Mike, and probably not the greatest optics when you're in the situation you're in right now. Yeah. I mean, hundred percent to um, Mike's comment and yours, Andy, just, just work. Yeah. Um, go back to that walk on mentality. That's what I've been hearing all weekend since the interview, every news feed, every commentator is 
walk on mentality. I'm like, get back to that, Baker. Don't don't worry about the world outside of wherever you live right now. Just focus on that. What got you into Oklahoma? Who got you to Heisman Trophy? What got you drafted in the first round? Go back to those brass, old school tax, grinding, working hard, and don't talk. Don't comment on anything. Just do your job. That's about it. That's all he can do there. <clears throat> Love all it. right. First one on the next one on here. So I guess uh, Mike was watching some Dodger baseball here. You got so I'm, I've always been a Dodgers fan, man. When I moved to California, when I was five years old, my dad, the company my dad was working for, I had season tickets, so we got to go all the time. I just became a huge like Steve Sachs, Pedro Guerrero, all those guys. Nice, yeah, I remember. So, those so Clayton Kershaw has been arguably the best pitcher of the last. This dude gets taken out. He's got he's pitching a perfect game. There's no hitters, and then in the pantheon of sports, perfect game is like. Like there's an immaculate inning last, last night that never happens either. But the, a perfect game is 27 up, 27 down, right? Nothing else. No walks, no errors, no nothing. He's got seven innings going, and they pull him. And I understand why they pull. Like I do understand why they pulled him. But it's this is again like we're talking about analytics. We're talking about projection, and like it's this dude. I just want to watch Sammy Sosa hit dingers and and watch Clayton Kershaw strike people out. You know what I mean? Like, there's just stuff about baseball. Like, you have to. Are you not entertained? Like, just entertain me, man. Stop worrying about everything else because you don't have any fans. Like, you want fans? Let the guy try to go for a perfect game. You know? Huh. Yeah. I don't know. I, hear I was you. frustrated. I, I barely care about baseball, but I was frustrated. Uh, what's on your mind, Andy? I could tell you're thinking there. Yeah, no. So I think, and I think you bring up a great point, Mike, but I think we've entered the age of sport where, you know, sport is so analytical and so business driven to win by all of these teams that every decision is made on that, like the macro of like, what's the best thing ultimately for the team. And what we lose in that is now like baseball is all strikeouts and home runs, right? Like we're not, we're not in like, you're not enjoying the game. Like maybe it once was you're pulling guys when they have a perfect game going, like you're losing. When was there ever a middle reliever? There's no such thing as a middle reliever 10 years ago. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. What the hell is that? So the game has changed in that regards and the NBA, obviously it's a lot more three pointers because that's analytically better, especially you have good shooters. Like it it, it changes the game fundamentally in some capacity in soccer. Like when I watch soccer, like I love the sport of soccer, arguably, arguably one of my favorite like sports to watch period, but we've reached the point where teams have gotten so good at playing defense and playing 10 players behind the ball that like, it's, it's almost a more of a drag to watch because the game is so closed down yep. and you're just kicking it between like, if you were using a football reference, like between like the twenties, right? Like, and it, it just isn't as beautiful of a game as maybe it once was when it used to be so open. So we've gotten to the point with sports as general that everything is about the end game. And now we can't enjoy things like a perfect game as much. And I get it. And I understand it because these are now billion dollar industries and people are losing Mm. their jobs and their livelihoods on whether or not they ultimately win by the end of the season. But as a fan, it definitely makes it less enjoyable when you can't enjoy those moments because we have to think about is Clayton Kershaw going to be good in the world series, you know, six months from now. So it's, it just makes it a little bit more disappointing in that regards, but I get it. Right. Exactly. And uh, so for the next topic here, kind of, Speaking on the same type of premise is uh, I don't know if y'all caught any of the NBA play in last week and then NBA first round of playoffs and Mike shaking his head. I, I figured that was going to be Mike's answer that he did. I, I erased it. I had it on here, but I erased it. Go ahead. He erased it. So uh, but it was some good games. So I'm just saying that, hey, watch a little bit of basketball. You know, I saw I watched the little bit. I saw the highlights and watched a little bit of the Nets game. And I was enjoyed by the fact that Kyrie succumb to he 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 was able to play both sides of the fence. I never I, don't, I think I've seen this very rarely where 
a, a top tier player in his sport or her sport can heckle back at the, the fans and then still ball out at the same time, even though they lost. It was just a play that KD, he he didn't notice Jason Tatum going to the hoop to get the spin around 360 layup to in overtime or in a regulation, excuse me. But but leading up to that, we got Kyrie throwing birds um, to the crowd as the crowd, the Boston crowd heckling him. So he's giving it back to him. I'm just saying give, it's just interesting that I never thought this could happen. So I'm not sure if it's a get off my lawn, but it's like, oh, I'll say welcome on my lawn, Kyrie. Because when you can actually do that, get away with playing a hell of a game having your team in contention to win, but then also give it back to the to the fans, I think, boom, Kyrie, you welcome on my line anytime, bro. I think that's the first here on this podcast. <laughs> I like that. I, I, here's the thing, though. Like, I was thinking about this today, specifically about the Kyrie thing. I, I don't know if I'm a big play-in fan just because I think it's more of a money grab, and I never like that. Yeah. But, it's like the but, 17th game in the NFL, the 17th right. game. Right. They already played 82 games. Couldn't figure it out then? Like, it's ridiculous. But with Kyrie specifically, and to the broader, the broader idea of yep. – I know where you're going. With when this. did it become okay for fans? Like, it's okay for fans to boo. Like, we've all been to play for the Philadelphia against the Eagles. Like, you they know, it's, it's like it's okay. But when did it become all right for fans, especially in like NBA games where it's a little bit more, uh, it's it's closed down, it's a little more intimate. When did it become okay to speak directly at people and demean them, say, make you know, racist comments, homophobic comments, whatever you know, call derogatory comments. When did it become okay for that to happen? And we just all went, oh, okay, it's because they pay money. It's okay to say. Like, I, I, I really still don't understand that. And I'm glad that because honestly, none of these people, like AG, if you went to an NBA basketball game and your favorite team is the Bucs and they were mm-hmm. playing the Heat or something, you wouldn't say anything to Jimmy Butler because you no. know that's just not how you operate. Exactly. But for some reason, these people buy these $50, $100 tickets, $200 tickets, and they go, oh, I can say whatever I want. I bought the ticket. It's like, I just don't know where, how we even got there as a society. It's ridiculous. Like, I yeah. would love to take these guys out back behind the woodshed sometimes and go, let's look, you know, it's like Kyrie Irving. I don't know how tough a guy Kyrie Irving is, but he's like, I like to look him right now and see if they're about that life. And they're usually not. I'm like, well, yeah, that's kind of the point. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> exactly. Studio gangsters, man. It yep. doesn't make any sense to me. And to me, sports are all about fun and entertainment and joy. And like having anything in the antithesis of that, when players like Brandon Bostic mess something up and get death threats online because of it, like it's yeah. just like uh, the, the onside whole, kick, the onside, onside kick. kick. Right? Like yeah. it just it. If if you've reached the point where you need to make death threats to people or say racist comments in a crowd, like you're no longer in the realm of enjoying this. You're not having fun. I, I mean, I guess maybe you are, and you're just an awful person. But like. Yeah. Maybe It'll try something else, like do something else at that point, because this is probably not the outlet that you need to have to have some sort of joy and enjoyment in your life. It never made sense to me. Like even when the, the worst Packer plays have happened and yeah, they're a bummer and they're frustrating as hell. Like I still, the next day I'm going to work. I'm, you know, hugging my kids. Good night. Like it yeah. doesn't change the outcome of my life. I'm there for, you know, to enjoy it. And yeah, it, it sucks sometimes when it doesn't go the way that you want or a player doesn't perform the way that you would hope they would. That's just life. And again, this is an outlet for enjoyment. And as soon as it becomes something else than that, I don't want to do it anymore. Yep. I don't get it. We'll get off my lawn. Boom. Get off my lawn. All right. Hey, well, let's skip the Mel one, the Mel Kiper oh. one, and just and just say this. Dang. Every Dang. year you want to you, you you want every year they talk about uh at the beginning of the of the offseason, they start going, okay, like for example, this year, these quarterbacks, there's not a first round quarterback in the draft. 
right? They're making, they're making, they're making the two quarterbacks that are there first round by talking them up. I'm like, it's it's It's, killing me right now. But it's it's to me, isn't it crazy? And part of it's obviously like there's some teams that need a draft for need, and so you you're Mm -hmm. probably going to reach. Like people, they do it all the time. But there was consensus that none of these guys were first round picks based on based on just their talent and their and their tape. And then through mock drafts, through pro days, through combines, through interviews, we just find like, oh no, Malik Willis is a he's, he he could be. A, I mean, he's up and up, but he could be a, an all pro. He could do all this, and it's like, dude, six months ago, the same tape, or four months ago, the same tape was available. Everything, nothing's changed. Like, okay, he he threw a couple good balls at pro day. It's just cra- it's crazy to me how we can influence like general managers and personnel guys have. Uh, very high paying, you know, very uh, responsible, responsibility laden jobs. And it, it feels like, and on both sides of this, it does feel like the media is actually able to manipulate a lot of their thoughts. It's it, and that part of it has always been nuts to me. Yeah, it, it is. Scary. And I don't know if it's reactionary. It could be the other way around, but it's, it is nuts to me. Yeah. To me, it feels a little bit the other way around where like the media will have the narrative of like this player is not a first round pick or whatever. And then as we get closer to the draft, like some people start getting hints of like where players are actually ranked. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, yeah, this player's chock full of potential. And I think the other thing that gets missed in all of this, too, and I know I'm sure we probably want to wrap up here, so I won't take too long on this. But um, the other thing that I think it's missed is that like what what value did each of these positions have as a first round pick? Right. Cause Kyle Hamilton, we just talked about it. Like how, how high do you want to value a safety and things like that? Well, you start talking about like Kyle Hamilton taking in the, the, the top five picks. I, I think it was Hamilton. Don't quote me on this, but I think if he gets taken in the top five, he becomes, I think the league's highest paid safety or he's like right there as like league's highest paid safety as a rookie. Like you better be damn sure as a safety, if you're taking somebody in the top five that in making them the highest paid safety, that that guy is going to just ball out and be insane. So like, but if you take like a, a quarterback or now like a wide receiver, when guys are now making 30 million per year with Diggs and Adams and stuff like that, if you take those guys in the first round, it's nowhere near. So you're actually getting insane value for those positions in comparison to like what you'd be paying on the open market. So you might say all day, well, Kyle Hamilton is by far better than some of these guys that are going way earlier, but it's like, yeah, well, you're going to make them the highest paid safety. If you take them that early. Meanwhile, I might find a wide receiver or a quarterback with my top 10 pick who is now like the 50th paid wide receiver or tight end or wide receiver quarterback. And now I can like, now I have a huge advantage on everyone else because I'm paying pennies on the dollar for this premium position. So I think players sometimes get moved up at the end in the media's eye because these positions just have so much more value in comparison to their already paid counterparts. than again, a guy like Kyle Hamilton, who we can all see is insanely talented and good as a player. But again, you're now making them the highest paid safety by drafting them early, which teams just don't want to do. Nice. Good point. Agreed. That could play a part in it. Yeah, good point there. So we'll save that mail question. Let's bring that over to next week's episode. (laughs) I could go in on mail a lot. Right. Oh, yeah, you love him. Yeah, I love him to death. (laughs) Mm. Um, So this brings us to the end of our show, the show presented by Bet Online. So, uh, Andrew, thank you for jumping in today and uh, hanging out, talking uh, the stuff that you know very well, passionate about, and started doing it as a kid. So thank you for coming on the show with myself and Mike. Um, so we could pick this up. This show is, uh, is going to be on YouTube. And then we have our social media accounts. You can follow me on Amon Green, as you see at the bottom of the screen, Amon Green 30, all one word, on Twitter and Instagram, and Mike Wall right after that. And uh, Andrew, and yours is already in the, the display yeah. there, uh, Andy Harmon at NFL 
follow him. I believe I'm assuming that's the Twitter, Twitter, yeah, Instagram as well. Uh, just Twitter, just Twitter. That's just Twitter. Yep. So yep. that's on Twitter. Twitter. Follow, follow Andy on Twitter. And uh, this podcast, rate us, review us. It's on Spotify, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, uh, iHeart, wherever you download podcast. Go there. Follow us. Rate us, review us. We love the feedback. We're NFL players, so you can't be mean to us. We we could take it. We might we might we might uh, feedback back. Double birds. We'll give, we'll give you feedback, just like Kyrie gave you feed the crowd at Boston feedback that's the end of the show and uh see everyone next week Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. And now, another no-brainer money-saving tip from Progressive. Marcus, what happened? I was changing my oil and I spilled some on the floor. Oh, we'll use these $50 bills to wipe it up. Perfect. Got any more? Yeah, yeah, take a couple hundred. Stop. Instead of using money, use an old rag. And here's a better tip from Progressive on how not to waste money. Don't pay too much for car insurance. Drivers who switch and save could save hundreds. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Potential savings will vary. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.